This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Our last interview of the week, we get a, a chance to, to chat. We, we, we talked to the incumbent of the uh, 96th District of the Illinois House of Representatives, the incumbent, Sue Shear. We talked to her earlier in the week uh, on Monday. Also on Monday, we talked to the Green Party candidate, John Keating. Now we get a chance to talk to the Republican Party candidate, Decatur Guy. I don't know uh, if, uh, if, you, if, if this is going to disappoint you or not, but it's going to remind me of that barbecue bacon chicken sandwich at McGorry's Golf and Grill. So, uh, Charlie McGorry's with us, retired fireman. I, I long for your chicken sandwich, Charlie. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you, those were the days, Eric. I mean, we had some really, really good food out there. Absolutely. I, I still get calls from people going, uh, hey, do you have the recipe for this? Do you have the recipe for that? Did you make your own salad dressings? Is that another thing sticking out in my head? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we I- made probably- the seventy-five uh, percent of our own salad dressings. Yeah. We start with the base and then add things. Make, gotcha. Make it uh, a flavor profile that worked for us. Yeah, man, it was uh, it was good stuff. And you could play golf indoors back when we could hang out with each other in mm. person. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. different world like back then. The regular field, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, so I I asked Cordy at the beginning of the show. I said, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know. We're talking about so we got a couple politicians on a day. I go. I don't know. Do we technically call you a politician yet since you're running, or do you need to win before you call yourself one? Or will you ever call yourself a, a politician? I don't think I'll ever qualify for that uh, that <laughs> moniker. I prefer to be uh, recognized as a citizen legislator. Fair mm-hmm. enough. And a retired firefighter, of course. And a retired firefighter and retired businessman and all the other things, yeah. You uh, you chose to jump in this race, I think, right, what, right around the primary no, it was after the primary. Yeah, actually. that's right. And uh, that, that put us, you know, we had to jump through some extra hoops. We had to get uh, 500 signatures in less than 28 days, and we ended up with 1,200 signatures mm-hmm. in 14. So we kind of excelled on that. So mm-hmm. you, it, it, what what was it that, that pushed you? What, what was it? I mean, it, it sounds like you had enough uh, support, obviously. I did have a lot of support. I had a lot of people calling me. Uh, just my breadth of experience, both uh in business, uh, on the fire department, working on the pension board and negotiating teams, plus uh, my supervisor experience at Firestone for nine years. Uh, you know, it just gives me a good broad base, and a lot of people thought that with the common sense that uh, I've kind of uh, got them to realize that I do have. You know, it's something that's really lacking in Springfield. But uh, they they asked me, and I said, after five days of talking with my wa- lovely wife, who's just recovered from uh State for metastatic breast cancer. We oh, both wow. decided it might be a good thing. What? Uh, what was? What, what do you think was the final factor that said, you know what? Let's give it a try. Just wanted to help. That and last year, the state legislature and all their wisdom decided to vote uh, to pool all of the downstate firefighter pension funds into one pool, so that uh, East St. Louis, Alton. Uh, cities that are much, much poorer and have not been able to fund their pensions mm. are now in a pool with us. Well, I, you know, I spent uh, four years on the pension board here developing a program and changing our investment policies and procedures, and we took our pension from uh, probably $40 million to $100 million. Mm. So, you know, we're going in fully funded. We're not quite fully funded, but as fully funded as any any uh, location in the state, as well as Springfield. They're in good shape, too. So now, you know, firefighters in all these smaller communities that don't have the wherewithal to fund their pensions are going to be drawing money off of our taxpayers' uh, input. 
Gotcha. So that was kind of the final straw. I just said, you know, enough's enough. You, uh, I, I assume you're running to win. You're not running for experience to run again down the road or something. I think some people might run for different reasons. Um, yeah. If you if you do win, are you ready for this political life? I think I really am. You know, you know me. I I I love to talk to people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I love to listen to people, and I'm a hard worker. I when I was on the fire department, I worked other jobs. When I was on a midnight shift at Firestone, I built houses during the day. I'm not afraid of 12, 14 hour days. That doesn't scare me at all. Uh, what, what are what are some of the key topics here you're running on or, or against or uh, you tell me how you're you're basing it? Well, you know, we really want to stress job creation. That you know, my opponent hasn't done very well in that respect. Uh, I in turn have you know helped start up three or four businesses that have employed upwards of a hundred people. Uh, the fair tax response, it's not really a fair tax. Mm. What we really need to do rather than increase taxes is prioritize our spending and cut non-essential items from the budget until we get to the point where we can, you know, spend things that, or buy things that are not necessary. What do you see as important first uh, 90, 120 days in your position linked to the coronavirus? Oh, that's going to be a tough one. Yeah. Uh, the coronavirus is very, very serious. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I think, though, that it's mutated since it first came in. I personally have a, a problem with the testing procedures. You know, I, I hope all the results that are coming in are, are actually true and factual, but I'm not real sure that they are. You know, I wear a mask when I go into somebody's business when it's required. You know, I encourage people to social distance and, and use proper hygiene, which I think will actually, you know, the hygiene aspect of it, with people washing their hands much more frequently now, I think we're going to see a lot fewer, uh, you know, normal normal head colds and and normal flus than what we have in the past. Yeah. But uh, we also need to balance it out and uh, you know support our locally owned businesses because if uh, they enact this going back to stage three on Monday, it's going to put some of our local restaurants in a really 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 bad position. Mm. Uh, yeah, absolutely, and that's. The next level after we finally do clear this hurdle, right, is the, uh, uh, the, the 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 path that coronavirus left us. You know, as far as communities, people are going to be struggling financially, but also especially businesses. Yeah, so you know, the we're going to have to get on our U.S. Uh, senators and representatives and get uh, get this PPP program extended or uh, you know broadened. But we also need to uh, look at making sure that these monies go to small businesses instead of these large conglomerates, uh, you know, they're going to survive anyway. You know, Walmart didn't shut down. Amazon didn't shut down. All these large corporations didn't shut down. They're, as a matter of fact, their businesses went up anywhere from 50 to 100%. Mm. So they, they're making a killing during this, uh, this period of time while the small businesses, the mom-and-pop shops, are struggling to survive and uh, – the latest thing I saw was they expect almost 60% of independent restaurants to close within the next 12 months. That's terrifying. Charlie, yeah. you, you, you can't have our bar. You won't have gin mill. I mean, we've already lost uh, three or four downtown yeah. prior to COVID. Uh, so they are struggling. Absolutely. Well, one big thing about, I, I think especially, it's obvious in the, in the U.S. Senate and the U.S. House, but I think the State House you really got to be able to work with everybody. You feel you feel confident about being able to work with with Democrats. So you, you know, 
I don't know if you're a diehard Republican and and you'd vote everything Republican and and, and state party standard, no, or, or you, you you like you like you like to talk to people. I'm a much more moderate person than than a lot of the people over there. Uh, you know, I have probably thirty forty percent of my friends uh, are of the Democratic persuasion. You know, and we we have discussions all the time about stuff. We don't get mad at each other. Mm-hmm. You know, we just uh, voice our opinion and talk about it. So. I think that's one aspect uh, of my ability to get over there and actually work with people. That's a big piece of the puzzle, I think. Yeah, that's a big piece of the puzzle. Charlie, anything? Uh, you, you, what, what have you learned in this process here? Are, are, have you been knocking on doors, or are you, you staying pretty clear with the the coronavirus? Uh, I've been knocking on doors. We've got uh, a great young staff, and they've been. We've knocked on roughly 28,000 doors in the last four months. Wow. Wow. That's pretty good. That is a lot. Uh, we know we take our precautions. We wear masks. We all carry little hands, uh, little bottles of hand sanitizer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we talk to somebody, uh, you know, we take a step back or two from the door. And everybody feels pretty comfortable. We've been really surprised at the, the friendliness of all the people that we've been able to get out and talk to. Has anybody... Has there been a, any common um, things that people are bringing up when you're out there in public that maybe we haven't talked about yet? Is there is there anything that, that maybe surprised you what's coming from people? Uh, not really. It's it's pretty simple. Uh, most people bring up job creation. You know, we need mm-hmm. we need good jobs. You know, we need uh, we need training for uh, for the crafts. You know, we've uh, the, the average age of the electrician right now is 54 years old. So, you know, we need young guys and gals to get into these crafts, you know, not just sit behind a computer and, and doodle this and doodle that. Right. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but because uh, I used to doodle all the time. Just, and that was way before computers. <laughs> right. Uh, but we need to get kids trained in all of these different uh, crafts. And mm-hmm. we've got some great unions around here that, that have uh, apprenticeship programs. Uh, that's what I would really like to start doing is working with uh, both the educational system, uh, mm-hmm. getting more vocational classes taught, and mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, get with the unions and have them, you know, bring kids on and, and get them to where they're, you know, go through the apprenticeship and uh, get into journeyman status. What, was your, what would your first step be at, at encouraging more African-American participation in the uh, trades and unions? And well, I think it, it starts in, in grade school and high school. We need to get them interested and show, show them and it, you know, just that you can make money. You can make $50,000. You can make $70,000. Mm-hmm. You know, you become a decent mechanic and you're really good. You can make a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, all these machines that we've got out there, they're going to need fixed. You can be a data processor or you can be somebody that writes code, but, you know, you're going to find jobs. If you're somebody that can actually fix a computer that's gone down, you're worth more than the other guys. Yeah. Oh, we have to instill that, uh, you know, not everybody needs to go to college. I, I went to college. I spent two years there. And then I went back and finished a fire fire science degree. But uh, not everybody needs to go to college. You, you can make a darn good living driving a truck, making $65,000 a year, being an electrician, a plumber, or a carpenter, making sixty seventy thousand dollars $70,000 a year. Mm-hmm. So we need to get into the high schools in particular and get kids interested. I know I was lucky. I was real fortunate. My dad taught me how to use a hammer, a saw, and and all that type of stuff when I was a teenager. Uh, you know, so I can build a house. Right. Boy, my I dad know, didn't. 
I don't have to hire somebody to come fix my, you know, put a new screen door in. I don't have to hire somebody to build a new deck on my house. I can do it myself. Can I come over? Will you teach me how to use all those tools? Absolutely. I still have most of them. <laughs> Charlie, if people have questions for you, they're still on the fence. So how do you tell them to get a hold of you? Uh, they can call me at 217-775-9074, or they can just log on to charlie, C-H-A-R-L-I-E, at charliemagory.com. That's M-C-G-O-R-R-A-Y. Nobody's ever spelled your name correctly on the first try in your life, I'm sure. You got it. Hey, and uh, <laughs> I, I hear uh, Scott was talking about fencing. Yeah, <laughs> Scott, he's a he's a fencer at Notre Dame for crying out loud! Right, yeah, I didn't know which side of the fence he was on. <laughs> Shows you're an expert of the old Olympic sports. <laughs> Charlie, good talking to you, man. Best of luck to you, and I know uh, you've had a lot to do with a lot of good things in town. So we we wish you the best, and uh, on on this new venture Tuesday. Either way, I'm sure you're happy. Tuesday's right around the corner. I sure am. It's been a grind, but it's been a very, very educational experience. That's great. Good luck to you, Charlie. uh, Charlie. We appreciate the time. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.